<laughs> right. We're gonna, Rob. We can't put any of this in the show. Welcome, one and all, to episode 125 of the original Draft Breakdown podcast. I'm your host Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host Justin Higdon and Justin. Week one of college football is in the books. I am officially uh, an anti-Nick Saban guy after he blew my big money parlay that would have won me a, a nice chunk of change in Vegas this last weekend. When did Nick Saban start taking his foot off the gas? I'm so disappointed. Well, I think, uh, you know, I don't think he really took his foot off the gas. I just think maybe this might be not as deep as an Alabama team as we've seen because, you know, you have – uh, a sophomore starter at quarterback and Bryce Young, or you know maybe he's a redshirt freshman, depending on the, the COVID, uh, you know eligibility notations. But regardless of depth, Alabama clearly still talented, and that's a good segue for us to get right into it because really quick we'll do our original draft breakdown podcast top five. You know we 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 talked about the top ten way back in May. And uh, that was according to ESPN. Now we've got a chance to kind of rank the teams as we see fit after week zero, week one action. So I think it looks pretty clear after one week that Alabama is the number one team in the country. They cakewalked over Miami, which we said they would do on our uh, Patreon show last week. And Bryce Young looks like the real deal. He threw four touchdowns, no picks. He was probably the best of the uh, first-year starting quarterbacks for these top teams that we've talked about all throughout the summer. Uh, What's not to like about Alabama? I think, you know, maybe you don't have the depth that you've had as far as at least experience depth, but the talent is clearly still there. Yeah, and and their defense is back, it seems like. Um, Little upset that we saw the injury to – their outside linebacker is um, Allen. Uh, he's done for the season. It sounds like um, you know one of their talented defenders, but defensively is their strength this year. So last year they put up just insane offensive numbers, and they'll do similar this year. But more than that, they're showing out defensively again, kind of what we used to expect from Alabama. The interesting thing in that cakewalk win was they ne- they didn't have anybody at, from the running back perspective really take a stranglehold of that position yet. Uh, right. Which is something to kind of continue to watch uh, as we go forward. It, it kind of it's kind of a throwback to a couple of years ago when they had Damian Harris, when they had Josh Jacobs, and. Jacobs uh, and, and Kenyon Drake, yeah, right. Well, Jacobs was the 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 guy who kind of uh, you know Drake was back there with Henry when oh, when they right. had Derrick Henry, but Jacobs kind of emerged as the top draft prospect out of that duo when he was there with Damian Harris. Even though um, Jacobs was kind of the running back two of the pair as far as volume went, so now you have you know Brian Robinson and you've got Jace McClellan who's an underclassman, he's not eligible for the draft. So Robinson actually went down, got carted off at one point, and then came back into the game. So uh, you, you still have uh, some talented players there. I think Robinson's a fifth-year senior. He came back. He took uh, advantage of the COVID rules 
for eligibility and came back this year. But, uh, they, yeah, I agree with you. That's a situation to monitor. We'll talk more about one of their receivers as far as their depth there uh, when we get to the Patreon show this week. This is a good time for me to remind everybody. It's 2 bucks a month to sign up and get our uh, bonus episodes every week. I also wrote the uh, box score scouting weekly uh, article that comes out every Monday, and I left that open to everybody. So you don't have to subscribe. Just go to that Patreon and read that article. You know, If you like what you see there, you can sign up. And if you don't, forget about it, but still give us a five-star review on this show. So number two, it's another SEC team, and I think it's a team that I think you and I both – feel could threaten Alabama's supremacy in the SEC this season. And that's Georgia. Georgia completely shut down Clemson. They win 10-3. to It's a primetime game. It was the primo game of the week, really, as far as preseason rankings go. Uh, DJ Wengalele completely baffled by Georgia's defense. But Georgia's only touchdown of the game was scored on defense. They still didn't score an offensive uh, TD. So 10 to three, Georgia wins. I'm putting them at number two, but I think there are still some question marks about that team. Yeah, and we have question marks about JT Daniels and that offense. Now, I will always defend a team that's missing a lot of their receiving talent, and that's what that's what's going on at Georgia. But we've had questions about JT Daniels the entire time. So I think our questions are fair in spite of the fact that, yes, they are missing talent in the receiving corps. And we will get a little bit more into JT as the show goes on. We're going to talk about him tonight. Uh, Ohio State, number three. You know, a seesaw game for much of it on a Thursday night. And then they kind of cruise ahead. The young guys finally get their their footing um, in a rainy uh, conference road win against Minnesota. You you talked about it in in our show on last week. Um, Ohio State struggles with with PJ Fleck teams for whatever reason. You know, I talked about this way back when we did um, our you know our Big Ten preview, even like. This was a trap game for me. So the fact that Ohio State goes on the road, they, uh, they're they in the rain, they're in prime time, and Minnesota played their hearts out, and Ohio State still gets a 14-point win. If you bet the spread, we it was 14 last week. We said bet Ohio State. It's a push. You didn't lose anything. Um, I don't, you know, we didn't account for weather. I think if the weather is better, Ohio State maybe gets another score, but... Minnesota really uh, made C.J. Stroud struggle in the first half. And then the second half, Ryan Day came out with a great game plan. It was run heavy. He took shots with Stroud. Stroud answered the call. He was five of, I think he was 5 of 8 in the second half. And four of his five completions went for touchdowns. And a lot of them were long touchdowns. One of them was a long screen to Travion Henderson, 70 yards. But the other three, I think, were down the field. Uh, two to Olave, one to uh, to Garrett Wilson. So you've got the talent is there for Ohio State. The experience isn't necessarily there, but both of their starting corners were actually held out of last uh, week's game. So I think they're preserving their health for Oregon. 
Very strategic win for Ryan Day. He doesn't care about point spreads. He was he stuck with his, his uh, starting quarterback, Stroud, the whole way. He never wavered, and a good win for Ohio State. Number four, a team that you really like, and in third, our third SEC team is uh, Texas A&M, and they just cruised over Kent State. There was just no, uh, no question there. Kent State, obviously not a great team, but they had a new starting quarterback. He did what he needed to do, and uh, Texas A&M, I think, is well-positioned to be in the conversation for top five right now. Haynes King is the quarterback there. He's young, talented. Um, we'll see if he if he can do the trick for them because they're going to go up against, you know, a ferocious defense in the SEC um, whenever, you know, if if they have to face either Bama or Georgia. So yeah. when, when that happens, you know, that'll be the prove-it game for King. And it's unfortunate because, you know, you look back at last year and you don't want to say anything negative about Kellen Mond because he had a nice, he did a really nice job for them. But what happens if they develop King last year and, you know, he's even better this year with all the junior talent that they're likely to lose after this season? You know, Jalen Weidermeyer was great in this game. Um, Isaiah Spiller, again, looks like the best running back in draft eligible running back i guess we should say in this in, class I think in this so, class yeah. um you know b john robinson's clearly the best running back in college football but right um you know when you look at all of that and then you you factor in their their top you know they've got a first round talent on the offensive line and the defensive line king's going to be the key and i mean you hate to put it on a, a 19 20 year old kid but king's really going to be the key um for for their success moving forward, rounding yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, top- you mentioned it. You mentioned it though. With Spiller, Weidemeyer, Aeneas Smith, those three guys are major major weapons on offense. They're good security blankets for a guy like King breaking in. And to, to be clear for our audience, uh, they do play Alabama on October 9th. That's within the the division. So if uh, if they win that game, that's where they would be on a trajectory to eventually play Georgia. So, something to look forward to. And the final team in our group was probably the most disappointing team of the week. No offense, Rob, uh, but I know you were. <laughs> I know you're probably expecting the worst to happen. Um, but Oklahoma, you know, if this was on the road against even like a Texas Tech, I think you're okay with this, right? Similar to kind of what you talked about with Ohio State, first week, mm-hmm. road game. Like, you're okay with this. This was a home game against Tulane. And well, I, technically it was a road game because Tulane had to move because of the hurricane. Right. But the game gets played in Norman, and it's unlike Ohio State, where it's prime time, this game was a you know, a noon game, a noon Eastern time game. And so Oklahoma essentially gets an extra home game and still barely hangs on to beat Tulane. And uh, we're going to talk about Spencer Rattler a little bit. But it it doesn't inspire confidence, right? It This is not a game that inspires confidence for Oklahoma or the Big 12 going forward. No, and I mean, 
we're not going to talk a ton about the Big 12, but Texas was the big winner this week in the Big 12 when you look at the fact that the the top two teams who are top 10 teams in the country um, both looked like they have a lot of question marks to answer right. if they want if they want to be involved in maybe you know the playoffs and and right. I, Iowa State barely hung on in a win over Northern Iowa. Um, not yeah. yeah, I actually talked about uh, that a little bit in the box score scouting uh, article. Brees Hall, the big-time running back, Iowa State, he ran uh, 69 yards on 23 carries against Northern Iowa. They win 16-10. to 10. Iowa State does. That is, you know, They've got a big game, and we'll talk about more on Patreon this week, but they've got a big game against Iowa. Iowa State's at home. I think um, game day's going to be there in Ames, but that's you know something to look ahead to. Let's go over these 2022 draft-eligible quarterbacks. I'm never going to be able to say this, by the way. 2022 every week is going to be impossible for me. Um, but, yeah, I you look at it – We'll start with the guy that was supposed to be quarterback one, Spencer Rattler. Uh, we talked about Oklahoma a little bit. This is the second year in a row that he started off rough. Is he, I mean, is this just potentially he's a slow starter because two two interceptions, a close win, still has not really developed himself as a runner? I think it is a little bit of um... – him being a slow starter, I think a lot of it is expectations for a guy who's a redshirt sophomore. And we're, uh, you know, we as a draft community are projecting because we, this is not a great, uh, a very strong quarterback class on paper. So we've got to find the top guy. And Rattler, coming from the system that's produced Baker Mayfield, Kyle Murray in recent years, even uh, Jalen Hurts, we're projecting that they're going to be able to project or to produce the next top guy. And uh, we know Rattler is technically draft eligible, so he has been the top guy throughout the offseason. But here we are, you know, he throws one touchdown, two picks, and uh, they eke out that close win against Tulane. And uh, I think the I think, like you said, the biggest surprise to me is that he hasn't really developed as a threat with his feet. Like, we know he's an athletic guy. We know he can run the ball a little bit. But you've got eight carries for seven yards in that first game, and that's because he was sacked twice. He's vulnerable to turnovers right now. He's not scaring anybody with his legs. So it's a little bit different, you know, certainly a lot different than Kyler. Uh, and uh, hurts, and it's different from Mayfield because Mayfield was such an experienced guy when he was at Oklahoma that he was able to run that offense with a lot of precision. And Rattler's just not there yet. But uh, I'm not gonna sound the alarm bells on Rattler just yet because uh, you've got you know Tulane when they had their uh, they had their energy up because of their situation with the hurricane. I think they were ready to try and prove themselves. They had a home game there, and they got kind of robbed of it. But they came to play, and uh, we saw this last year. Rattler rebounded from early struggles, and it had a good season. So I think he's still going to have a good year. I, I, I still think total package, arm strength, athleticism, he's still going to be your guy this year. 
Uh, more concerned to me is the next guy, Sam Howe. And uh, this is a player that you and I have talked about our reservations about throughout the offseason. Um, be it on on uh, this show or the Patreon show, we have mentioned at times our concerns with Sam Howe. And Howe went into Blacksburg and played Virginia Tech last Friday, and he had three interceptions, and he fumbled twice. Fortunately for him, North Carolina recovered both of his fumbles. But uh, late in the game, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought the staff, the coaching staff, seemed to take the ball out of Sam Howell's hands. So we, we know he lost his four playmakers from last year, but here he is uh, in primetime on a Friday night, turning the ball over, and ultimately, I think, getting um, the ball taken out of his hands down the stretch. It wasn't a good look for him, and I think it brought all of our concerns to the forefront. Yeah, this is uh, one of those games where you look at it and you just wonder, is how going to be able to get into control and and become the guy that so many want him to be? Um, you know, and this was our concern from the jump, is that you take away the four best playmakers from an offense – and a quarterback has then got to show you something. And that's one of the things, I mean, you guys can, you know, people can say, oh, well, take that away from anybody. No, look at Trevor Lawrence. I mean, Lawrence lost playmakers after his freshman year and came back, played well as a sophomore and as a junior. I mean, it is, you you want to see either consistency or growth. And to go the other way, um, I think is the biggest issue that you'll you'll find uh, for for Hal and anybody you know, that has go question back, marks about him. Go back to Ohio State when uh, in a, a few years back when Dwayne Haskins was their quarterback and he took over an offense as a first year starter and he was throwing to Terry McLaurin and Paris Campbell. Neither one of those guys had established themselves as top receivers for Ohio State at that point. Both were seniors at the time. He turned those guys into. I think Campbell was uh, one of the ended up with one of the top single season receiving totals in Ohio State history. And McLaurin ends up with uh, a brilliant. Uh, he had 11 touchdowns and had a brilliant yards per catch. Had a great Senior Bowl and ends up being a third round pick. That's what you want to see in that situation, where uh, a guy like Howell has to come in and elevate the guys who are the next guys up and that's not what happened on friday night there's a lot of time left uh and and the receiver downs did have a good game and i expect that he'll uh he'll still be a good player but sam howe has a lot of work to do and you know one thing we have to keep in mind with how is he does not have to declare this year he could stay another year he's only a true junior so well, and- we, we've been pushing him into this class but he doesn't have to do it and we can, and the same can be said for Spencer Rattler. I mean, exactly. He's a redshirt sophomore. These right. guys can both take a step back, and they may need to. So you know, <laughs> depending on how the season turns out. Yeah. Um, Carson Strong, a big win for Nevada over Cal. Um, his day was okay. Uh, Twenty-two of thirty-nine, three hundred twelve yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Plagued by some drops by his receivers. Some of those drops weren't easy plays to make, but he was plagued by some drops. I think the question or concern is he was 
visibly frustrated by his by those drops by potentially misconnections with his with his guys that's obviously something that quarterbacks go through but is this something we need to watch as the season unfolds yeah i haven't heard, i haven't really heard anybody talk about it but he was like he was kind of you know philip rivers esque animated after some of these drops and some of the plays like you said were tough plays uh there was one play across the middle where he he put the ball in a really good spot but his receiver had to make a diving attempt at it the broadcast crew calls it a drop right but it it would have been a really uh a really fantastic catch so i think we've got to put these things in perspective and i think a lot of quarterbacks would be criticized for the type of body language and the type of animation that Carson Strong was showing on the field. What's good for him is is uh, they started out down two scores, and he comes back and leads them to a victory against a pretty good defense. So I think uh, there's no doubt he put a couple of throws on the money downfield, dropping uh, some deep passes down the sideline into the bucket. But I was I was kind of struck by his animation on the sideline because that's something that when you get when you, those guys get into the pros and they're showing that kind of fervor, especially you know when there's a drop, some people perceive that as showing your teammate up. I don't know that that's you know the emotion he was trying to convey, but it's something to watch out for because you know we get into draft season and you start talking about guys who uh, you know didn't get invited to parties or weren't team captains or whatever and uh this is a something that you see actually on the broadcast he's you know throwing his head back throwing his hands up and i it, you know if this was another guy i think a lot of people would have been commenting on it just so happens carson strong is kind of still an un an unknown guy relatively speaking so we're looking for you know we as in the draft community are looking for the riser and we're going to forgive that for now. We'll see how long that gets forgiven. Uh, the other thing was strong that I've thought about is he seems like the perfect guy to transfer to like, a, a you know, we'll just use a Notre Dame as an example with Jack Cone <laughs> this weekend, right? Like next right. year, a school that may just need a quarterback or be a quarterback away. So, um, right, good call. Carson Strong doesn't have to declare this year either. Yeah, because he's technically a, a redshirt junior. So yeah, uh, Malik Willis, light work versus Campbell. Not a whole lot to talk about other than he looked good. I mean, 217 yards, one touchdown, passing, one rushing touchdown. Um, he threw a touchdown on his first pass. He threw a 35 t- 35-yard touchdown on his first pass of the season. So Well, yeah. and the other, uh, the other thing coming with him is just going to be simply we just need to see him play against, you know, better opponents and he can only play we say this about everybody but he can only play the teams on his schedule and playing at liberty is you know going to be one of those things that it's days like this are going to have to be the norm and that's unfortunate against bad competition yeah and but, but this is what we want to see you know they're playing fcs campbell and he took care of business easily and readily and you know, now they're on to the next team. I, I mean, uh, Liberty is not going to have the hardest schedule this year, but you know Willis has uh, great running ability, and he's got a 
maybe the strongest arm in the class. So th- those are two things he really has working for him. Um, from a tool standpoint, from an athleticism standpoint, he might be my favorite guy at, at this point. So uh, JT Daniels, we kind of touched on him when we talked about Georgia and Clemson. And JT was a check down Charlie against Clemson. There just was uh, not much more you could say about that. Like he, he threw a pick. He averaged 4.5 yards per attempt. Is that his M.O. now? Because it wasn't when he was a freshman at USC. Is that who he is now? Or was this just a good D against a good D? And that was just a kind of scrappy game that we ended up with in that 10-3 to game. Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing is Daniel's could be closer to you know those those early Bama quarterbacks than he is a big time draft prospect, and that's not. A I bad think you're thing. right. I mean, I think you're. Yeah, is he like a Greg McElroy? Right, like a McElroy. or AJ McCarron? AJ McCarron, yeah, type. Of Greg Mc Greg J McCarron McElroy. So he, you know, he watch him. He's. He's got some talent, but there's, you know, he's clearly not going to be the guy. Um, a guy, again, to watch. He did what he was expected to do against a terrible Colgate team. Phil Jerkovich of, of Boston College. We've talked about him a little bit. Um, I mean, he was on cruise control, but over 300 yards, three touchdowns, 61 yards rushing. Um, could he be the guy that? comes from behind and becomes kind of the the hot name the commodity to watch because i mean that was that was a strong performance by by phil but i yeah. do worry about his name phil <laughs> yeah yeah well we had phil Burrs, now we got phil jerkovic um but you know this kid to me he is kind of the dark horse. He is kind of the guy that's going to rise from the ashes and, and overtake some of these other players that we've talked about uh, coming into the year. And um, because he, he has a lot of talent, man. He, he's got some good receivers there at BC. BC's well-coached uh, with Jeff Halfley there. I think BC is, is poised for a pretty good year, and I think we touched on that with the ACC preview show that we did. And uh, I like Jerkovic, man. He is a, a player. He's got a defensive lineman last name, but he is a player who is uh, he's making the best of his situation. And, and uh, he looks like a real threat to me to overtake some of these guys. Just, just uh, watching him in the highlights this weekend, yeah, light work. You're playing an FCS opponent. But he waxed them, and uh, I think it goes back to last season where I saw him make some impressive plays in that COVID year, and uh, I I like this kid. I think he's going to be a mover, and he also is, a uh, I believe, a redshirt junior. So another guy who does not have to declare, but he's on track to be a a player who's going to – who people are going to want to see in the 2022 draft. And the next guy is a player who will be in the 2022 draft. There I go with it. And that's Desmond Ritter from Cincy. And uh, you can 
go look him up on Twitter and you'll see a, a big time strike that he hit downfield about 50 yards. He ended up 20 at 25, 295 yards, four touchdowns, one pick, and a rushing touchdown against the MAC team, Miami, Ohio. How high do you think Ritter can climb up the boards? You know, that's the big question for me. He's got he's got easy kind of skills in terms of he he moves well enough. Um, you know, he is a guy that keeps it positive in the in the rushing categories. He I don't think he's going to be as much of a running factor as he was the last two years um, for for Cincy, um, but when you go back to one of the things we talked about, he's really has steadily improved every single season. And this is a big year. He's going to be a senior bowl guy. He's going to be a guy that gets the senior bowl bump as well. I think he's going to be end up being a day two guy. I think he's going to go in that, you know, realm of, of like a Jalen hurts, um, type of guy, um, Kellen Mond, you know, where you're seeing him on that day or that, you know, late round two, round early round three type of of position. I can see it. Yeah, I can see that. I can see it top 100. I was going to say top 100 because I, I don't want to commit to day two. But, um, you know, he I, I completely agree with you. Senior Bowl guy, and he's got more mobility than, say, like a Davis Webb who – ends up uh, getting senior bowl hype and going in, uh, I think, the third round. And he didn't have that mobility that Ritter has. Ritter's a tall, thin guy. Uh, Not the prototype build that you want, but uh, a leader, and he's going to play for a good team this year. They've got games coming up against Indiana and Notre Dame. And Indiana looks like a winnable game after this past weekend. Indiana looks like a very winnable game for Cincinnati. Notre Dame looks like a winnable game for Cincinnati now. If they can run the table, we could be talking about a New Year's Six Bowl, and that's going to really elevate Desmond Ritter. I think he can – I don't think he'll ever get into the first round, but I do think he can get into that. I agree with that. Top 75 seems realistic, right? Yeah, you mentioned Ritter – um, schedule. I was going to mention Phil Jerkovich. Uh, he's kind of the opposite. He's got his first four games. If he's not looking like a, a day one pick, he may not. He may not be a guy to look at because they've got next week Massachusetts, and then I I can't remember the next team, and then they have Missouri. Oh, they have Massachusetts, then Temple, then Missouri before they get to Clemson. So yeah, so he should cruise. If he's not a guy that you're like, oh, this is a, this is a really you know talented player, uh, then you're going to end up. He, yeah, exactly. He's not a guy that you can take seriously, and and you hate to dismiss people like that, but when you talk about that type of of schedule, you know, like we mentioned with Malik Willis, uh, Willis like that's that's what you expect if you're going to be talking about a guy that is a big time prospect. Um, right. Couple guys need mulligans in the Big Ten, man. Uh, Graham Mertz was miserable. Yeah, he had two uh, interceptions against Penn State. I think uh, it's a little bit the alarm bells have to be going off with Mertz. He's got four touchdowns and seven picks since that five touchdown debut. He had as a starter. 
the good thing for Mertz is he's only a redshirt sophomore. And that goes back to what we talked about. Like, a lot of these guys don't need to come out. They need to stay longer. Right. Um, Mertz has no business coming out. He's got to concentrate and hold on to that starting job. And then you've got Michael uh, Penix from Indiana, who I bought into too much with him and, and Ty Freifogel. These guys looked just awful. He should have had a four-interception game. Um, but Actually, he, just... he should have had a six-interception game. I mean, he had... Uh... And by the way, Fry Fogel, I think, looked fine. Uh, Michael Penix, uh, through, uh, uh, he completed less than 50% of his passes. He had three picks against Iowa. He had a fourth pick called back because he got roughed. And then he had two other ones dropped. From here on, we've got one Friday game that kind of matters. Um and it matters because, well, Kansas came back and won a, an improbable game. Um, <laughs> that was, I mean, good for Lance Leopold, right? But yeah, they beat a, uh, a FCS team. In improbable fashion, 17-14. Uh, now they get, well, it's a battle of two of the best coaches in all of college football. As, According as, to PFF, yeah. Yeah, as <laughs> Kansas and Coastal Carolina match up. Um, I am interested in this game, obviously. It's going to be a, a good game. Um, Coastal Carolina didn't play anybody. You know, they played the Citadel. Um, that doesn't count. This is their only Power 5 matchup of the season. Yeah, and so, and so they have to make a statement. I mean, yeah. if, if they want to feel like a real New Year's Six Bowl team, which they feel like they should have been last year, um, they have to basically put it on Kansas. So, so they're at home. That's that's one thing. Um, yeah. And Kansas was 0-9 last year, and they have not won more than three games since 2009. So more than a decade since Kansas has won more than three games in a season. But like you said, they're 1-0 in the Lance Leopold era. So who knows? Are, are there any, I mean, new, we've talked about the Coastal Carolina prospects. Um, we like this this team. They've got a bunch of day two and day three guys. Um, anybody at Kansas that we need to watch for in this game that, that could maybe show up a little bit? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to get, you know, uh, if you're listening and you know some Kansas players that you want us to look out for, I mean, it's Please. it's honestly hard after one game, yeah. especially when they struggled against South Dakota. And, yeah. and, like, we're not trying to make light of it. We're really not. But it was not a great game by any means. Um, no, I, I mean, I'm not trying to be flippant. I just really don't know if Kent's – so if you know, uh, tweet us at db underscore pod or email us at the draft breakdown podcast at gmail.com. We'll keep an eye out. You know, we're always adding guys to our list, so we're not we're not haters here. I mean, the reason we put this on here is because uh, we think there's a legitimate chance that Coastal Carolina could have a tough matchup here because they are playing a Power Five team. It's their only matchup against Power Five. Um, but like Seth said, they've got to they've got to spank Kansas and really make a statement here if they want to get into that New Year's Six Bowl conversation. 
And when you look at it, you know, Kansas, I mean, again, they just didn't look that great in a in barely squeaking out a win. So we'll see kind of what happens in this game. Uh, real quick, a couple hot takes from this week before we get out of here. Um, and this is the Carson Strong-related hot takes. And, and you and I have talked about Carson Strong on this podcast. Uh, you know, we've, we've talked about how he started to get some first-round buzz early, you know, this offseason. And he checks a lot of those um, – draft Nick boxes that always you and I are like, well, hold on. Like, let's, let's wait a little bit on this. Um, Tommy call. He's a managing editor for the warriors wire, which is a a, a USA today wire site for the, the golden state warriors. I don't know why he's uh, (laughs) tweeting. Well, he must know. He must know. But, but uh, he said, my goodness, buy all the Carson strong stock while you can. Um, after an incredible throw, don't don't get us wrong. That that throw, you know, from fifty yards out um, to the far hash was a great great throw. Um, and then friend of the show Ben Albright. The more you talk to people around the league, the more you find they're eyeing Carson Strong out of Nevada as the player that could really emerge in the quarterback conversation in the twenty twenty two draft. Um, I. I just, you know, you look at it strong. People think he could really emerge. Yeah, that's, <laughs> it's that's so. I mean, like, that's just so uh, kind of typical of the type of of uh, conversation that you have this time of year. You know what I mean? Like, it's not. There's no definitive statement there. There's just this, uh, you know. There's just this generic. Uh, oh, people are having a conversation about. Tr- Carson Strong. Well, yeah, of course they are. You know, he's he's a draft eligible uh, pocket passer. Um, you know, it does that just doesn't carry anything to me. I mean, Ben's a reporter, so he's just reporting what he heard, and I don't doubt that uh, he's heard that because we see it on Twitter from other sources too. And um, you know, people are talk have been talking about Strong since last year when he was a redshirt sophomore. But, you know, I just think it's it's one of those things. It's just like, okay, he made a couple great throws against Cal. Not taken away from the kid, but, we, you know, the, the same uh, question marks we have about Strong are still there. You know, he's he's a pocket passer. He's kind of a throwback player. He He's not a really um, dangerous mob, mobile guy. And uh, that's just not the type of profile. And he's coming from a, a group of five school. Not the type of profile you've seen go in the first round over the last uh, decade, at no, least. No, no, not at all. And, and I know the we're going to start getting Josh Allen comparisons. He doesn't move like Josh Allen did. There, there's nowhere near the level of athleticism that Josh Allen had. You know, Carson Strong actually is much more accurate college passer than Josh Allen was, but he doesn't have the full skill set package that Josh Allen had. And, uh, you know, if you thought Josh Allen wasn't worth a, a top five pick, which I, I admit we didn't at the time, uh, but you, if, if you uh, kind of project the full skill set, mobility, size, strong arm, and all that, 
Carson Strong's kind of missing the mobility uh, aspect of that at the least. You know, so he's he's a more accurate guy, but he doesn't have the threat of running the football or making plays with his feet. And so you've got a more limited upside. You know, he's kind of like a uh, he, he's kind of like a uh, I don't want to sell him short, but he's kind of like a Connor Cook with more accuracy at least what he's put on paper right now as far as like the skill set and that'll end today's show good hot take then um there well done. yeah um, and uh, and before we get out congrats to the hamlin pipers for their win over crown 54 to 38 they've got a nice break this weekend and they will be playing their next game on september the 18th so congrats pipers Go Pipers. That'll be it from us. Thanks, for as always, for listening. Don't forget, subscribe to our Patreon account, and you'll get the extra bonus episode every week, uh, as well as some of Justin's fantastic writing and, and previews that, we, that he does. Uh, we'll be back next week with another free episode to wrap up week two of college football and break down some of the draft prospects. Thanks, as always, for listening. Have a great night, everybody. We need to do an outro at some point. That just something kind of what I hear in other shows is where they're like, uh, you know, uh, subscribe and give us a five star review. Sign up for our Patreon. It's two dollars a month for our bonus episodes. Four dollars a month for all additional content. Something like that. Yeah, we should work on something like that. That we could be it right a, there. A read. Yeah, that's it. Right there. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs>